God, we're so thankful. Our hearts are filled with gratitude as we remember who you are and what you've done. We believe our hope is centered on that cross and empty tomb. Everything we have is dependent upon that cross and empty tomb. We're so thankful for the opportunity we have this morning to together just remember you are so, so good to us. And we're so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are wrapping up our series called Mind the Gap. This has been a series that has been focused on thinking about a space that we don't often pay close attention to. We've been looking at our thoughts. Our thoughts present a, a, a huge opportunity for us to experience hurt. It's a space we don't often think about that can trip us up the easiest, that can cause us a lot of damage. And so we've been looking for the last five weeks, this is week six, and we've been saying, what does the Bible say? What's God say about how we should think? Mind the gap. In the week one, uh, we talked about how we gotta take every thought captive. Don't just live your life at the whim of your thoughts. Take them captive. And some of us, we have strongholds that have been built up in our thinking. These strongholds are lies that the enemy has been throwing at us that we have believed as if they are true. Some of us, we carry this stuff around for a really long time. Some of you have strongholds that have been built up in your mind and in your thinking since you were a kid. It's just a reinforced stronghold. The, the scripture says that we should, it's got such dramatic language for it, just take it captive, take every thought captive. And we talked about how if you're dealing with one of these lies, you gotta combat it with truth, the truth of who God is and what he has done for us. Like an example would be, maybe you've grown up just feeling like you can never be good enough. Like no matter what, no one will accept you as you are. You gotta combat that lie with the truth that God loves you unconditionally, that he knows all the hairs on your head, that he loves you and cares about you so deeply. Maybe you've been carrying around a lot of guilt and shame because of some mistakes that you've made and you think, ah, maybe this God could forgive them, but he could never forgive me. And you need to remind yourself that, he is, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to redeem us, that he sets our sins as far as the east is from the west, that scripture says he remembers them no more. You gotta take that thought captive and replace it with the good truth of God's word and what he does. Take a thought, I don't know what lies you've been carrying around, but stop living at the mercy of the lies when the truth of who God says you are is so clear and so much more powerful. The week two, we talked about how you get stuck on what you stay on. There's this passage in Isaiah, I love it, that talks about how he gives perfect peace to those whose minds are stayed on him. And how you gotta like, something that's so helpful and powerful is when you can take your thoughts and you can turn them towards the character of God, that you can meditate on the character of God. It's, it's something that's so beautiful and meaningful when you can learn about who this God is that you trust. Do you know what he is like? who he is. Because I gotta tell you, it's really powerful if you've been betrayed because somebody has changed on you. Somebody, you, you thought they were somebody and then all of a sudden they were somebody different and that caused you a lot of hurt in life. You can experience peace from knowing that God never changes. 
It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Like, that's such a comfort if you've been betrayed by something changing on you. If you've been hurt because somebody has betrayed you or done something harmful to you or you have this part of your past that it's just somebody did something really off or wrong and you have suffered because of it, you can t- have peace knowing that God is a just God. His character. It's part of his character. That peace says, hey, God saw it. He understand. He holds all of it in balance. There's nothing that escapes him. And he will deal rightly on in his time with those things. It's his character. It gives you such peace. If you've been failed, it's helped so much to peace to, to know that God is unfailing. If somebody has been unfaithful to you, it, it brings so much peace knowing that God is, is faithful. You get stuck on what you stay on. So why not, instead of staying on the past, instead of staying on the betrayal, instead of staying on the hurt, why not stay our minds on him and how good he is? It'll bring more peace in your life. The next week, week three, we talked about how peace is what guards our hearts. And this amazing passage where he says, where God says, whatever's good, whatever, through Paul, whatever's good, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, think on these things. We so often focus on the negative and it's crushing. It's crushing us. It's crushing the spirit of our kids. It's crushing our relationships. Because when we go home, we don't think about all the good things. We think of all the negative things. We think of all the deficiencies. We focus on the negative. There's a Time to make a new list. No matter what your circumstances, God works for the good of those who love him in all things. And so maybe you haven't been seeing it because you've been so focused on the negative, but God has been doing some good stuff around you. Make a new list. It's an old hymn. Count your blessings. It's good truth, even though we're probably never gonna sing that old hymn on a Sunday morning. Oh. I have hymnals you can take, though. Um, So, (laughs) uh, it is a good song. There's good truth in those, and we're not anti that. We're just a church for your friends who don't go to church. So, try to pick music that connects with your friends who you never think will be here. Um, But there's something to that. Make a new list. Man, what would change if you started highlighting God's blessings in your life, if you started looking for him, even in the midst of difficulty, keeping score of all the good things God's doing, the good things he's doing in that person that has been driving you crazy lately, all the good things. You could make a new list. It's time to make a new list in your life. Make a new list in your relationship. Make a new list about your kids. Make a new list, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy. Think on those things. And we talked about how to experience a renewed mind, that you are always conforming or transforming. There's no passive middle. As much as we would like to avoid conflict, there's no passive middle. Like you, you are either being conformed to a broken system with broken ways that is only going to lead to more of your own very personal and hurtful brokenness, or you're allowing God to transform your mind, transform your heart. It's what he does. It's his business, and he will transform your mind as you take and yield to him. And then we talked about having a troubled mind, and if you have a troubled mind this morning, if things have been difficult for you, you've been struggling, filled with anxiety, depression, in a really dark place, maybe even thinking about giving up on all of it or 
so overwhelmed that you don't know even how you're gonna go on, you are not alone. I don't know why church is a place where we pretend like we ought to all have it all together when the Bible is so clear about how its heroes didn't have anything together at some point. And we talked about Elijah, how he had these incredible victories, but then one person, one statement, screws it all up for him, and he comes crashing down. He runs to the desert, isolates himself, and prays, God, would you just end my life? I don't want to go on anymore. <laughs> you ever cried that? said those words from the depths of your soul, alone, laying awake in the middle of the night, overwhelmed by the darkness you've been just dealing with. You are not alone. Some of the greatest Bible characters we know of struggle deeply with the dark stuff of the soul. God gives Elijah time and space to heal, takes care of himself physically, God was writing an end of Elijah's story that was so much better than the end Elijah was writing for himself. If you have been writing the end of your story, you need to know that God will write a better ending than you could ever imagine. There is hope. I know it's hard to see. And it won't always be like this. We pulled some lessons from that passage about how to, how to deal with a troubled mind how to show grace to ourselves. And today, I wanna cap the whole thing off with a passage in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses seven through 10. If you have your Bibles or your phones and you wanna follow along, you can pop it open to that if you're a note taker. If you don't have a Bible and you always want one because I, I say like, man, these, these stories, passages are so amazing to just read. You can't get enough on a Sunday morning. And the really life-giving stuff comes when you give, like, our, like Rick, our, our congregational care pastor would always say, like, just give a minute or two to God. It's incredible when you can do that. If you need a Bible, just steal one out of the back shelf. You can take it. Um, let me just read this to you, though. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Trust is like a, an action of the heart. Do you know that? Like when you trust, you're making a, a decision of, your heart to trust somebody. That's why sometimes you trust people who on paper you shouldn't probably trust. <laughs> Maybe they got a track, but, but your heart is something that it's, it's kind of like out of the will of your heart that you make a decision to trust. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. Confidence, on the other hand, is something that I think comes straight out of the mind. You know something about somebody and it either makes your confidence in them go up or down. You know something about God, and that helps your confidence go up. You know something about the chair you're sitting on, so your confidence was so strong that you didn't even think about it before you sat down in that chair. It's got four legs, it's maroon. You see other people sitting in it. You know something. It's like some heart and mind here in this passage. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots to the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. We, there's a hollow not too far from here on the other side of town. Do you know what a hollow is? I feel like that's something that only country folks get. Hollow, like a, like a valley, a pretty steep, small valley just on the other side of town. I grew up in Cresona. I'm like Skook all the way through. This is an important part of my life. I love this county. I love the people who make up this county. They're some of the strongest and the most admirable and loyal people on the planet. I love Schuylkill Countyans. Anyway, I grew up in Cresona. One person clapped for that. I wasn't meant to be. Like, so the rest of you are unsure. Like, I was born here, but I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> you know, I got a couple kidney stones, still figuring it out. Um, <laughs> When we were kids, our parents just didn't pay attention, I feel like, to anything we did in town. Uh, maybe that's why we're tougher, you know, as a generation than all the, you know, the younger gener generation Xers just are pretty tough because, all right, fine, you know, um, our parents just kind of set us off into the wild with our bikes and we just had to show up for dinner at some point. <clears throat> we would drive over to this um, hollow on the other side of town and we had bike tracks set up there and we'd ride bikes through the woods and do all kinds of cool stuff. And one day we got bored with that whole scene and we were up there with a bunch of friends and there was, it was a, it's a steep, steep, really hollow and it had, it's just vines everywhere. I don't know if you have been in woods around here where there's just lots of vines. These vines were thick. I mean, some of them you couldn't even get your hand around. Others were where you could hold on to. And these, they, the, because the hollow was so far, these vines would shoot straight up into these trees. They were just forever vines. Looked pretty impressive, pretty cool. And one friend, not the smartest friend, said, I have an idea. But we were all just on the same page as him because we were all like, That's, that sounds good. His idea was we would go home, grab a handsaw from one of our garages, run back, cut the vine off the bottom. We would go down, tie a little rope to it, drag it up one side of the hollow. There was this big rock on this thing. We would grab onto it and we would swing from one end of the hollow to the other, one bank to the other. And wouldn't this be epic because in the middle of it, we would be like 20 to 30 feet off of the ground, right in the middle. We thought this would be an exciting rush. So we ran home, grabbed the saw. One of us grabbed the saw. I don't remember who was the guilty party. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. And we got to the bottom of this vine through all of this thick brush and thorn bushes that were like just filling the bottom of this thing. Took the saw, cut off the bottom, drug it up to one side. My friend Andy was like, oops, I said his name. He, would, he was like, I'm a, I'll go first. It was his idea, so it just made sense. And he grabs this vine, starts swinging across it, gets to the exact middle of this hollow, and the vine let go of the tree, and the dude dropped like a rock. <laughs> 20 feet from the middle. It wasn't even like momentum didn't even carry him past the middle. It was like just straight to the middle, straight down. The vine just let go. Loud crash into the thorn bushes. We looked at each other and said, what should we do? Let's just run. <laughs> man, it's every man for themselves in Cresona. What we had, <laughs> I don't know if it, if it was because public school failed us. I know we got... We got a lot of teachers in here. 
I know you, you, lo- you love your jobs, you love kids, you're really important, but somehow I feel like somebody failed us as kids growing up. Because what we did when we cut the vine off at the bottom is we cut it off from its root. We took, that's where all the strength that had that shooting up into the tree came from. Our trust and our confidence were completely limited by our knowledge. We had the heart for the adventure ahead, but we didn't know what we were talking about. All that was keeping that, tr- that vine up in the tree was its tangling in the branches. And as soon as Andy got to the right position, it untangled itself and came crashing down. Like your confidence and your trust needs to be anchored in not just the heart you need, where your heart is placed, but also where your mind is. It's not just about how this church thing feels. It's also not just about what you know. It's both. And and churches are filled. Probably our church. I've spent times in my life struggling with one or two when it's both. See, you can know everything there is to know, have the Bible verses memorized, walk in here with a real thick one of these, highlighters sticking out of it, you know, uh, little doohickeys, marking pages. Um, You can have all of the knowledge, know theological terms, understand all the deep teachings of Scripture and still miss it because it hasn't connected with your heart because you have not yielded your heart to the one you know so much about. There's examples of people like that in scripture. They're called the Pharisees, and Jesus would rebuke them often. He'd be like, you give so much, you tithe to the temple out of your spice rack, but you're dead inside. It's not just how much you know. It's also not just how it feels. I've seen a lot of people come to church because life doesn't feel good. And they don't know what to do. They just are out of options and they want to feel better. And if you make this whole thing about just what you know, it becomes empty religion. And if you make this whole church thing about how it feels, it becomes some whimsy an inspiration that'll fade as soon as your life feels a little better on its own. You see, where this whole faith thing really clicks is when it's head and heart. Like, like the teacher came, a teacher came to trick Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 and said, what's the most important stuff? I've been keeping all the laws, like 600 plus of these religious laws this dude was keeping. Like he knew them all. I don't even know them all. Do you know them all? Like maybe you should be preaching if you knew them all. I don't, like to all these rules, that you're like that's an insane amount. Like you gotta be a super nerd to memorize 600 plus rules that you gotta follow every day in life. I got a migraine just thinking. He knew it all and he comes to Jesus. He says, what's the most important? Jesus says, love the Lord your God. Do you know 
Have you ever heard this? With all of your heart, soul, and mind. I might have messed up the order there. I don't remember. It's about all of it. It's not just about what you know. It's about giving him your heart to, to. And when you, when you know enough about God and you learn enough about him, it's so good because it builds your confidence in him. But at some point, you have to make a decision of your heart to trust him with it. At some point, you have to make a decision of your heart to trust God with your wounds, to trust God with your mistakes, to trust God with your sins, to trust God with your past, to trust God with your present, to trust God with your future. You get it? It's both. And what we're after here at this place is both. This passage in Isaiah gives you a picture of some amazing things that happen when we connect both our confidence and our trust, when our heads and our hearts are both in it, in the right place, focused on him for the right reasons. First, it says that you're, you, you are like a tree that is planted by water that sends its roots out into the stream. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's what a tree planted by streams of water is like. It's never parched. It's never dry. It's never running on empty or running out because it has this stream of water replenishing, refueling, refilling. You see, when Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly, I'm sorry I'm getting so excited this morning. What he's saying is not about having more stuff. It's not about all the surface things that we think can patch our lives and make them better. When he's talking about having a full life, he's talking about where it matters most in your heart. And he will fill you. No matter what your circumstances look like, he will fill you until you are overflowing, till it can't be contained anymore. When you trust with your heart and have confidence because of what you know, you will have a full heart to overflowing. The second thing this passage says about the person who is blessed because their confidence and their trust is placed in Jesus is that you will be well-rooted. The roots go out and they run deep and they capture the water and they're providing everything that they need. They're not just, we're not just cut off. We have roots that go deep and meaningful. We are well-rooted. We are rooted in his love. We are rooted in the knowledge of who he is. We are rooted. And, and rooted plants are strong plants. That's the next thing I pulled from this passage. When we trust and place our confidence in him, we are strong through all seasons. Doesn't matter what season of life you're in. You have strength because it's not sourced by having confidence placed in your ability or your knowledge placed in how to maneuver a situation. What's your season of life look like? Man, this year has had some seasons for me. Really low lows, lots of hurt, lots of pain. Just this year, I've walked through really incredible highs and really big moments where I have questioned everything about what I'm doing and what God has for me. 
I, I felt like every season, what season are you in? Maybe you're in a season where God's really been blessing you. Awesome. It's so good. You, you have strength in that season. Maybe you've been in a season where it feels like you're walking through a desert or stuck in a famine, a season where you've experienced great loss or hurt or pain. Strength comes from a confidence in something bigger than yourself or your circumstance. Strength comes from trusting something bigger than your intellect, your skill, your ability to maneuver or figure it out or dig deep and pull yourself up by the bootstraps or make yourself better. Real strength comes from a confidence that is placed in knowing God and a trust from your heart in who he is and his plan for you. Trust and confidence means that you have courage over fear. It says it does not fear when the heat comes. <laughs> You've been live, some of you got the heat cranked up right now. The heat in your life is like it can't get any hotter. You are in the pressure cooker of life because of stuff you have going on. You don't have to give in to fear. You can have courage because your courage comes from who God is what he wants to do in your heart. So scripture says over and over again, 365 times I think, do not fear. It's such an important part of our human experience. You're going to fear, but you can have courage in the midst of your fear because of who God is. And the last thing this passage says is you will be fruitful. That's the kind of person I wanna be. Do you ever meet a person who's going through really difficult things yet you wanna be around them? Somehow they're going through it, but they make you feel better. You ever meet one of those people? They just know the things to say. You know they're worn out, tired, and beat up, but yet somehow they keep speaking life. Somehow they keep building up the people around them, showing up for their kids, loving on them. These people are light in dark places. They're the salt of the earth. I want to be around people like that. I want my circle to be full of people like that. They are fruitful people living out their purpose and design even when life hurts. And they truly are blessed. I want to be that person. I want my circle to be full of those kind of people. Those who place their confidence and their trust are fruitful. I want those five things for my life. And I realize that to experience them more and more, to grow in my strength, to grow in my courage, to be a fruitful person, to be rooted deeply and not easily knocked over by life stuff, to have a full heart that's overflowing into the lives of people around me. I need to grow in my confidence and how much I know about this God and I need to trust him more and more with every corner of my heart. And there's a warning here. <laughs> to get out of your own loop the heart is deceitful among all things. It's 
beyond cure, who can understand it? I, I deep dove into the language in this verse. Not, I'm not gonna give it all to you, but I, I spent a lot of time studying this, and this is what I got from that study, right? Like this description of the heart without God, a heart that is just totally, the, the warning, the caution is, you can't just trust your own heart. You need something bigger. You can't just follow your own heart. You need something bigger. And the reason is because as, that we're deceitful. It's so deep, it means that like your heart is tricky, and it's so deep, you can't understand all that is going on in your heart. You can't understand the depths of it. Your heart at its core, left alone, without God, it's a wicked, tricky heart. It's a vulnerable heart. That's why you can't just follow it. And you can't trust it. That's why you need something bigger. Can I just challenge you at the end of this series Two things. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, anyone would open, I would come in and eat with them and they with me. That eating is such a, it means friendship in scripture. It means these are my people. These are my friends. That's why the Pharisees got so upset when Jesus ate with the sinners. Jesus is saying, like, just open your heart. We've been opening our minds. Make a decision from your heart, a reasonable decision, a step of faith to trust him with your heart. You can. We've been looking at all the reasons why over the last five weeks. You can trust him with your heart. He wants to come in and dine with you and be with you and experience a restored relationship with you. And we open that door through faith saying, God, I know that you have loved me and pursued me, that you have shed your blood for me, that there's an empty tomb to seal my hope. I believe in you. I accept this incredible invitation and I'm opening the door of my heart to invite you in. And then the second thing is, if you've done that already, it's time to fix our eyes on him. Hebrews 12, 2 says he is the author, to fix our eyes on him, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. I know you don't have it all together. I know there's parts of you that are broken down. You don't know all the answers. You can't figure it all out on your own. That's okay, because he's gonna write your story. He is the author. He's the one who's gonna add the perfection to the mix. You don't have to. He's the one. Just fix your eyes on Jesus, whatever you're going through, whatever life looks like. Fix your eyes on him. Your confidence is gonna grow. You will trust him more and more and be like that tree planted by the water. Let's play. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much. that we can trust you and, and know you. That you have not hidden yourself from us, but you have revealed you, your character, your plan for redemption and forgiveness, your grace. Your tr You've revealed it all to us in your word. We're so thankful. Help us not to be people who just engage our faith with our heads or just engage our faith with our hearts. We're after something deeper 
where the trust and the confidence grows, helping us see us through whatever season of life we are going to face this next year. We want something deeper. Help us to learn to love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. In Jesus' name, amen.